Hello, everyone. Welcome to Peace of Authenticity Podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Jordan. And we are the Andersons. In 2020, the Lord really challenged us on starting our own podcast. And so we invite you to join us on the journey of following Jesus every day. So let's grow together and learn together. Hi, everybody. What's going on, everybody? We are back for another week of just cool stuff i'm really excited about this week this might be one of my favorites i don't know yeah but i'm excited yeah so if you're if this is your first episode tuned in here all all the stuff that we're going over in this season of peace of authenticity podcast is all stemming from our trip to israel um that we went on recently yes and so we're just sharing our learning experience with all of you and um yeah, so we just got off of The Good Shepherd, parts one and two. If you haven't seen those, please go back and watch them. It talks about the difference of, you know, why we're why Jesus says we're supposed to be sheep instead of goats, and then why will he separate the sheep to the right and the goats to the left. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't checked those out, check them out. Today, we are branching off of that same shepherd yes. angle that we're going for, and oh, today... Yeah. We're literally going to be talking about, I know that you probably heard this word a lot because of our podcast, but yeah, we've we're said actually going to dive into it Oh, and yeah, and see, <laughs> go further into it. So um, we've been talking about the Bedouins and maybe you're familiar with this term, maybe you're not. I was not actually yeah, before I was not. our trip to Israel. I had no idea who these people were even were. Yeah. Did you? No. I didn't know. I no. Know. I, so like I always thought shepherd... You know, as in, yeah, like the modern, you know, like a cattleman or somebody like that. That I mean, because I, I used to show sheep back in the day, but it was never <laughs> like this. You had um, never been a little shepherd boy. Yeah, just no, show sheep. no. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about the Bedouin lifestyle today and why why is this important? Okay, so for for those of us that are somewhat familiar with scripture or whatever we've been trying to get this idea across to everybody that listens to the podcast Mm -hmm. that everything is in scripture for a reason nothing's there on accident yeah and so here this is exactly why the um the bedouin lifestyle is very important i want to start out just by reading from genesis 18 and then we can dive in from there um, this will be in Genesis 18, and we'll start it just in verse 2, that we're talking about Abraham. And so the Bible says that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O oh Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant." And okay, so I just want to stop right there just for a second. All right, so we're we're here. Abraham is in his tent. I'm guessing in the middle of nowhere. But yeah. three strange dudes come up on Abraham in the midst of of wherever he was at, right here in in the Bible. And the Bible tells us specifically that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and he saw the three men coming and he ran to meet them. And I always kind of thought that was weird. I'm like. Maybe he kind of knew, like, because later on, like, 
unless it, you just read it, like they're angels. So maybe I was thinking maybe he figured they were or something. And that's why yeah. he's all like running and stuff. Cause you don't hear a lot of people running in those days just because of the heat. They literally like conserve their energy at all times. So whenever someone's running, you should probably pay attention in the Bible, yeah. <laughs> especially like in the old Testament, probably even new Testament too. But um, that was really interesting. But then what we learned in Israel sitting under a Bedouin tent, which was so cool. We'll have pictures for you guys is that Abraham was a Bedouin. Mm-hmm. And so things start making more sense. Whenever we start telling you a little more about the Bedouin, you will be like, oh my gosh, that's why Abraham ran to those strangers and wanted them in his tent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so then you have to ask yourself the question, why is this important? Yeah. What, what, like, why does it matter? I, you know, you might be sitting here going, you know, I'm living somewhere here in America. What, like, why should I care about being a Bedouin because in the New Testament, right? The Mm -hmm. Bible tells us that God has welcomed us into his tent, Mm -hmm. right? And so if if God had Abraham come through in a certain way and, and everything that the Lord uses to bring that scripture together has a Bedouin context, then that means that me as a reader who is trying to understand the Bible, I need to understand what it is like to be a Bedouin because if if the Bible is comparing God to a Bedouin, then I need to know the nature of a Bedouin so that I can better understand the nature of why God is using this as a description to say we've been welcomed into mm-hmm. that kingdom, you know, into yeah. the Bedouin tent. Yeah, and so we just want to start saying, like, giving you facts about these people. First, I want to show you our handy-dandy map that we got in Israel to kind of show you these, they are desert people. So let me show you where they come from. So this is... like Blue's Clues. Blue's gonna do. Okay, but um, I did say that, didn't I? This is Israel, okay? And so this area, like, from here down is desert in Israel. I mean, half of Israel is desert. And the people are from the Negev desert and is right here, the Bedouin. Most of them are from there or have come from there, if that makes sense. And they also are down like in Egypt as well. And so, you know, a lot of different places. The Bedouin people are not only in Israel, they're in a lot of other places, but just so you actually have a visual, this is the Negev desert area. And so this is actually where Abraham came from. That I'm area. thinking we could just actually put up a graphic. On I, the, I like, took a picture of it about. so I can zoom. Yeah. So I can zoom. So you'll be able to see it in case you can't see that. But... Okay, so so why why is this important? Why why is the the Bedouin lifestyle important, and why, and why should we get to know this? There's a reason why, because you can read through that scripture, and I know that I've read through that term before, and I'm like, okay, so why would Abraham get up and run? Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. Anyways, weird. Let's keep going. Yeah, what else that's happened? weird. I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's probably not important. But when when you understand. The, the Bedouin culture, which we're about to dive into right now, you understand exactly why Abraham got up with haste and ran to these mm-hmm. three strangers that are walking up. Because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I live, we or we live on a, like a kind of yeah. um, major street and I see people walking up and down the street all the time. And if I see somebody walking toward my door, I'm not, I'm not gonna like run out running to out to meet them. I'm sitting here going Man, Please let me feed you. Let me clean your yeah. feet. What does this person want? Like I'm not. I'm not trying to do that. But that's why this culture is different. And you know, I think that it's amazing that if you do any type of studying about Bedouin people, is 
um, they they are known for hospitality. Mm-hmm. They like even if you are a stranger that walked up in the middle of the desert, they according to their culture have to or they say they get to mm-hmm. right. They get to house you for three days, mm-hmm. and you are treated like royalty. And I think it's crazy because when we were in Israel, Brad was even teaching us that even if you killed that Bedouin's son mm-hmm. or something drastic like that, if you wandered up on his tent, he would still have to host you for three days. Mm-hmm. And then he could hunt you later. Yeah, and then once you he left. He will give you a head yeah, start. Once you left, <laughs> then it'd be all fair game. But, and, and here's why. The reason why they hosted people well and, mm-hmm. and hospitality was a major thing to them was because they were nomadic people. And so um, whether you know their animals got away or whatever, they would always find themselves you know, going from place to place, constantly traveling and stuff. And usually out in the middle of nowhere right. in the desert. Right. Like you, it's, you don't, you can't see anybody for miles kind of situation. Yeah. And so, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you yeah. off, but I was just no, thinking so, it's literally in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So it's basically <laughs> like they are a living, um, example of you reap what you sow. Yes. And so they're like, you you host somebody when you have the opportunity to host somebody mm-hmm. because one day you could be the one venturing off away from your um, you know your community tribe or tribe, yeah. yeah or whatever and you might need somewhere to stay. Here's an interesting fun fact that in a Bedouin community, every Bedouin only takes up half of their tent mm. because they leave room. For oh, if wow. somebody needs a place to stay. Wow. So even if they don't have someone staying in their tent. They're prepared. Which you already know. Um, if you watch The Good Shepherd, all their tents are made out of goat skin and, mm-hmm. and, goat, and hair. goat hide and all mm-hmm. that stuff. We've already covered this. So that's why we're continuing on this journey. But yeah, the, a Bedouin's tent stays wide open. That, that one end of it stays wide open. That signifies that all guests are welcome. Mm-hmm. So they only take up half the space mm-hmm. in their tent. I just thought that that was so mind-blowing because it's almost like they are preparing a place for you know for guests to just come yes. and hang out. And usually the Bedouins won't be eating meat unless they have a guest. And, and I think that's so significant too because meat to them was one of the precious animals from their flock that was giving them, you know, like the things that we listed in earlier yeah. episodes. They're so... Um, crucial like it's so important and so actually you couldn't kill a lot of your you couldn't have a lot of meat because that was either one of your sheep or one of your goats you'd run out and yeah you would run out and and they were your life like i mean and so it was really interesting because ultimately this hospitality stemmed from survival because you know aubrey and i if we were bedouin we would always want to be open and hospitable to people because we were hoping that would be given to us when we were traveling because we're not going to bump into desert motel six that didn't happen back then we would just travel and hope hey there's some tents over there if you get close you'll have a bedouin run towards you and be like oh my gosh stay with me i'll feed you meat and i'll give you water i'll clean your feet and give your livestock you know water and all this stuff and and so it was kind of expected because it was expected in return it was the honor and shame that we've always talked about Mm -hmm. with those people it was honoring to host 
And it was shameful if you did not and you left someone out in the desert and you saw someone and you didn't like that was unspeakable you didn't do that yeah you always hosted it kind of made me think of the story the parable of the good samaritan that jesus was telling and they just kind of walked by and seeing the person hurting like a a bedouin lifestyle person would never do Mm -hmm. that they would you know they wouldn't leave somebody yeah they're beaten and bloody with nowhere to go you know i mean like they they would have taking them in but okay mm-hmm. so so i think that if we dive right back into here like in here into mm-hmm. um genesis 18 so we stopped right there after verse three so abraham says in verse four let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while i bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to get Sarah and said, quick, um, we need three morsels of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And verse seven, and Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. And then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and sat it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. Listen, this is an act of servitude. Mm-hmm. So they, he is the host. Abraham is the host. And he's doing all of this for three complete strangers. Mm-hmm. He has no idea who they are. And like I remember reading this story going... That Man, is one nice guy. Yeah, this dude is extremely, like, he must be extremely <laughs> prosperous if he's going and throwing a meal every time people come to visit. But it's more than that. It's it's almost as though in the Bedouin lifestyle, you are held to this high standard that's like, mm-hmm. I don't have a choice but to do this. I serve. Yeah. Like, that's just what I do. <laughs> yeah. And so you're sitting here, you hear, okay, Abraham runs out to meet them. Mm-hmm. He runs out to meet them. And then whenever he tells them, you need to stay with me, and they said, go do what you... The Bible tells us again that he quickly went and did it. Now, I, I took a note here because I think it's important to understand that um, hospitality held the same prestige in the Bedouin culture as bravery in battle. Mm-hmm. Okay? So how you host people matters. Mm-hmm. All right? There's a Bedouin proverb that says, be the most generous as a host and the most resolute as a fighter, okay? So hosting is up here, and over here is battle. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to defend yourself, but moreover, hosting is more important than how you fight. Mm -hmm. That's mind-blowing to me. Because you're sitting here thinking about people that are nomadic, that roam in the desert. Like They had to have come up on unfamiliar people all the time, and you would think... You know, those of us in America are like, oh man, I stay strapped. You know, I take a gun with mm-hmm. me everywhere that I go. And, you know, I imagine that they had their weapons too. But the the first and foremost thing that a Bedouin always goes to first is not battle. It's not, man, you know, I need to be prepared to defend myself. It's I need to be prepared to host well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's mind-blowing to me. And yeah, really so um, the, the one thing that, that I had on here too that, that was tied with this scripture was that urgency, and I would say it was urgent, the oh, way yeah. that Abraham he, was moving. It didn't say, and then he went. It's like he hurried. He yeah, ran. He, he quickly, ran. quickly, <laughs> and he ran. And then like all these things are talking, like I think that the, the writer is trying to tell us like, 
you need to know how hastily yeah. Abraham's trying to move to make this happen. And, you know, so the, so the urgency from Abraham is not, it's not fear-based, like, oh, I got to get, I got to get all this done because, you know, somebody might die if I don't get this done. It, it literally is, is not fear-based, but it's out of a need for hospitality, which expresses concern over the needs that the guest may have. And so he brings water for them to wash their mm-hmm. hands and their feet. And and also they, they would bring in a cushion or something for them yeah. to lay on. If y'all remember from the last podcast, you'd put that under your left elbow and you would recline at the table until your host would bring you food, water, wine. Mm-hmm. You, and and I it. love that it said after Abraham served them the food, he went off to a nearby tree to watch because another thing is, you know, they yeah. wait while you're eating and oh my gosh you ran out of water I'll get you more water oh do you need more meat do you need more this do you need more that and they serve Abraham's not sitting at the table with them chatting it up oh so where'd you come from he's actually not allowed to ask anything about their background until day three I was reading which is kind of interesting like oh so you killed someone oh okay you've been with me for three you know like but it's just interesting because he was waiting by a nearby tree to serve them if they needed anything it was super impolite to ask somebody oh where are you coming from you you just host complete strangers and you don't ask anything about where they're from what they're doing any yeah it's wild it really is because i mean if anyone even wants to work at a church like anything with kids like background check now you know what i mean and of course for Mm -hmm. it's important but it's just crazy because it's so opposite of how we like i check my doors two times to make sure they're locked every night you know it's like, yeah but they had one side of their tent open always for a guest yeah. and, and it was considered an honor <laughs> yeah to to mm-hmm. host someone and and it was a disgrace for you not to be picked mm-hmm. so yes. it goes back yes. to honor and shame which is exactly why right here abraham says if you remember just a second ago in verse three and said, O oh Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Which mm-hmm. means it was favorable yes. for you to receive the guests. If they walked into your community, everybody that had their own tent would come out and ask these wanderers. That's exactly what they were. These wanderers to stay. Please come stay with me. Let me host yeah. you. And whoever they picked was considered the favorable one. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's crazy to me. And so going further, I, I can't remember exactly in the goat and sheep um, episode if we talked about the shepherding analogies in Psalms 23. I feel like maybe we touched on it, but we didn't really go deep in it. Yeah. What's amazing about Psalms 23, of course, it's a beautiful psalm. I mean, everybody knows at least a few lines of this psalm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a Bedouin context because Bedouin and shepherds are like this. If you're nomadic in the desert, you're going to have flocks. You're going to shepherd the flocks. You're also a Bedouin because you live in a tent. I mean, it's all connected. And so it's a shepherd and Bedouin context, Psalms 23. So I'm just going to read a little bit of it and kind of give you a few connections that that we have here. So this is the very beginning in uh, verse 1 of Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So that's all shepherd mm-hmm. connection. Okay, let's keep reading. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Shepherd, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Bedouin, you prepare a table. You set it before me. You're just chilling, right? 
And this is what this is what the Lord is. He's He's our shepherd, which we talked about yeah. in uh, at the last episode. And He's also our host, like what you were saying earlier. And I just love this because it says, "You anoint my head with oil." That's that's a symbolism of refreshing. Nothing's more refreshing than when you're traveling in the desert. It's hot. You're so tired, and someone comes out to want to serve you food, clean your feet, like give you olive oil to go over your head to refresh. Can you imagine, like the shade of the tent? I mean, we don't have to imagine. We actually experienced it. It was hot in the desert. We got to go into that tent and just sit on those cushions. We didn't lay like we should have laid like they did. We just sat. Well, I don't remember. They didn't put oil on <laughs> They my didn't head tell though. us to either. Yeah, and I prefer no. Yeah. But back then, that was very refreshing. Yeah. So, actually, here's another fun fact that's not really tied to what we're talking about right now. Oh, but well, go ahead. actually, in the, <laughs> in the Roman bathhouses, mm-hmm. they would actually yes. use olive oil, like what this is talking about. You anoint my head with oil. When they, when they would get done in the bathhouse, they would have. Um, olive oil there to, and they would use this scraping tool. They'd mm-hmm. put it on, and they would use it, and they so would it was scrape. Cleaning. They would basically clean themselves yeah. with olive oil. And so, you know, I believe that when uh, olive oil had those cleanly, you know, when he's talking about you anoint my head with oil, mm-hmm. like I think that yes. it was cleaning it because that was the closest thing they had to soap. Yeah, back then. So yeah, that definitely cleansing. Because I mean, you're yeah. sweating, you're dirty in the desert, and then also where it says my cup overflows. Right, another way to say that is my cup is well filled. Because you have an Abraham sitting over under a tree waiting, or standing over under a tree, waiting to refill your cup. And that's what the Lord does. He refreshes us. He fills our cup. And we overflow. And I just thought that was so yeah. cool. I just love those connections with that. Well, I think that it goes back to what we were just talking about in, in Genesis 18, right? And he says, you prepare a table before yeah. me in the presence of my mind. That's exactly what abraham was doing mm-hmm. when he got the bread he got the morsels of bread he told sarah to make the cake mm-hmm. butchered the young calf and did all this stuff and then he literally just laid back i think it was it's it's cool because it the bible doesn't tell us that he um was in on any of the eating right he didn't sit down with yeah. them and break bread like mm-hmm. he literally was the host that had everything and the guests had nothing and he served them. He gave everything to them. And he didn't partake of it. Like so mm-hmm. he basically made this whole meal just for yeah. the three men that were there. Yes. And it was just oh my gosh. Yeah. Um I'm just I just want to finish it with um, verse six, it's just so good. Surely goodness and mercy shall, shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm. This, the house of the Lord, I would like to see it as a Bedouin tent because of how you're treated. He is the shepherd and he is also the host. And it's just so beautiful. I just love that picture. I feel like I jumped, but I was too excited. So Yeah. Well, no. So I think, it, I think it goes, Jesus says, right in my father's house, there are many rooms mm-hmm. and like I, I think that it's crazy that even in the Bedouin context, that in the tent, in in every Bedouin leader's tent, they only used half of it to make room for yes. who could eventually come. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus is saying, mm, I love that. In in my Father's house there are many rooms. It's like, listen, the the Lord is leaving all this space open. Yes, prepared, so waiting, that, so that um. He can host you. And and so it's just blowing it's just blowing your mind. I hope that you're ex- as excited about this as we are because now 
you can go into another context which backs up the Bedouin mentality that we're going yes. to that's in Genesis 19. So just maybe it's on the same page in your Bible or the other page over or whatever. Just come along with us on this because now this has to do with Lot. It has mm-hmm. to do with Abraham's nephew uh, who was residing in Sodom. And so in verse in chapter 19, it starts out, there's two angels that came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Okay, so here's just a little sidetrack, right? When the Bible says that somebody's sitting in the gate of Sodom, mm-hmm. that means that Lot carries authority. Mm-hmm. He was an in, elder of the he city. He was an elder of the city because at the gate is where all the city officials would meet mm-hmm. to make decisions. Based. Yep. That's just a little side note. So... Lot is a big deal in Sodom. In this little nasty city. Yeah, in this ratchet city, Lot's a big deal. So, <laughs> Way to go, Lot. Yeah. So when Lot saw them, he's sitting in the gate. He's an elder. He's an official. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. That literally sounds so similar. I wonder where we last heard someone bowing their face to the ground, begging them to come to their home. Oh, Genesis 18. Oh, yeah. I was, I was like, wait. <laughs> you look very like, wait, confused. It's a, it's a trick question. I was confused. Now, okay, now we're on the You're same like, page. I don't know yeah. where. <laughs> so, okay. So then he says, and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. And they said, no, we will spend the night in the town square. Mm-mm. Okay, so it goes back to what we were saying just a second ago. It's either honor or shame. Yep. So if you extend an invite for somebody to come and stay in your place, and these these two angels, I don't know necessarily if Lot knows that they're angels at the time, but the Bible's telling us, giving us insight that they're angels. Mm-hmm. And they say, no, we will spend the night in the town square. That is a no-no. Especially, yeah. In like, Lot is literally sitting here going, that might be the most disrespectful thing that, you know, I cannot allow them to stay here in the city square. Mm-hmm. They have to come to my house. I extended the invite. We got to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so he pressed them strongly in verse 3, which meant he was like, no, you have to come. Back to the honor and shame of it all. Mm-hmm. And so they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. It's it's almost an exact duplication mm-hmm. of what's going on, except um, Lot is in a house, mm-hmm. Abraham's in a tent. I just think it's so interesting that Lot used to live in a tent. He yeah. used to be in the same area as Abraham, you know, and then they ended up going separate ways earlier in Genesis. Yeah, but they split. I just love that he still had that mentality, even in a city. That is just ratchet. I'll just say yeah. it like that. He still carried that conviction yeah. to be the host, even though there probably was a hotel there. Do you know what I mean? There probably was their version of it. There's the probably hotel. an inn, yeah. But for it sure. still had that. He still carried that with him. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. He still like carried that. that same heart for hospitality yeah. and the same ritual. But I mean, m- many of you might already know this story. And that's why we keep saying, Sodom is just ratchet anyway. Yeah, if you and, have no idea, yeah, just know they're ratchet. We're just following along here. But see, here's the thing, though. In the Bedouin culture, not only is hosting a must, but when you're hosting someone, you're also responsible for their protection. Mm-hmm. 
you are taking ownership of that person yeah. and saying, I and me and my family will do whatever it takes to defend this person because they are my most honored guest. If you go back to Genesis 18, we're in 19 right now, but if you go back to Genesis 18, the Bible tells us that after Abraham hosted these three angels, these three men, all right, it says that he escorted them and showed them the way that they must go because it was Abraham's job to get them from his tent away safely so that nothing happened yeah. in his view until he left until they left his community and then it was up to the Lord or whatever yeah. to protect them but while you are here in in like in my house in my tent I am taking full responsibility so that's the second part of the Bedouin culture that you have to know because now this scripture is going to make so much more sense yeah, in Genesis 19. It used because, to really bother yeah. most people. If it didn't bother you, you should... It's super ratchet. You should think about that. So, yeah. So, <laughs> you, you go you go in, uh, in, in verse 4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. Mm -hmm. And they called to Lot. Where are the men who came with you tonight? Bring them out to us so we may know them. This is the ESV, all right? Mm -hmm. So, no, to know means, like, basically they wanted to have their way with them in yeah. a very sexual you form. You didn't want to know any of them in the way that if they talk. If you were a dude, you didn't want to know <laughs> another dude. You definitely didn't want to know <laughs> You did it. You did it. So, all right. So, verse 6, Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him. So, he went out the door and he shut it behind him. And he said... I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Mm -hmm. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known. There's that word know hmm. again in a sexual form. I have two daughters that have not known a man, any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> what is wrong with this dude? Like, I literally have read this story so many times that I'm going, what is, in yeah. what world is it okay for you, the father of these two girls? And you're supposed to protect your you're, household. Yeah, you're supposed to protect, you know, you know as a man, you, you protect, you know, what the Lord's given you. Yes. Right? And so I'm sitting here going, this doesn't make any sense. But it does make sense when you understand the Bedouin law mm -hmm. that says when, when a guest comes into my community, I take, me and my family, we take full responsibility for their safety because if Lot would have just thrown these two angels in, in human form out there and these nasty people of Sodom would have done with it, that would have been a disgrace oh, on despicable. him and his household. It would have been... I mean, either way, the, the act of what they wanted to do was despicable. But now I think that we can all, now that we understand a little bit more about Bedouin culture, yeah. we can understand why this story went down the way that it did. Which that makes me think of another Bedouin proverb that, about protection. So let me read that to you. It says, defend a guest if he's done good or bad. Mm. Keep a violator at bay or pay for his faults. Hmm. And I'm telling you, when I heard that, I was like, that's exactly what our ultimate host God did. He yeah. literally paid for our faults. And, and that's supposed to be wow. later, but dang. Like right when I read it, I was like, 
I literally just stopped and I was like, thank you so much, Lord, for being our ultimate host because, mm. wow, we had a lot, we have a lot of faults, you know? Um, and so actually talking about Jesus, are, are you, are we good with the protection thing? Cause that goes into the next thing I'm going to talk about where Jesus talks about the eye for Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. I just want to make sure I'm not jumping too much, but, um, so the more we were reading about the Bedouin culture, it was really interesting because it talked about the whole saying for an eye for an eye. And I know that if you've read the New Testament and it's even in the Old Testament, I think in Deuteronomy where it's talking about an eye for an eye. And what it meant to the Bedouins was if someone took your eye, the most you can do in vengeance towards them is to take their eye. You cannot do anything more. You cannot kill them for taking your eye. You cannot do anything more than what they had done to you. Vengeance, eye for an eye that simple, right? And so I was reading that and I just really felt like it, I automatically thought about Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And I was like, but what did Jesus say about an eye for an eye? So I want to read that to you guys because they're actually, I really feel like, I mean, I haven't read any like biblical scholars saying there's Bedouin context in Matthew 5 on the Sermon on the Mount, but it just screamed out at me whenever the Lord yeah. reminded me about the eye for an eye. So let me read it. So this is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. That literally sounds exactly like what the Bedouin hosts do. Mm. And so I just love this because, of course, the connection and eye for an eye, what I, ju I just told you about this proverb, right? But that did, that proverb counted in the tribe with the people that always live together, not the guest, not an honored guest. And Jesus is saying, let's switch the eye for an eye and talk about it doesn't matter. Let's treat everybody like the honored guest we're waiting for at our tent entrance. And then yeah. the next the next connection that I saw is whenever Jesus said, if anyone forces you to go one mile with him, go two. And I thought about what Abraham did with those men. They're like, okay, we're, we're going to go. And Abraham's like, let me walk with you a ways because protecting our people, you know, the people that we've just hosted is of the utmost importance. And then of course I thought about what Jesus even did. He came down to walk with us on earth as a human being and to also be the ultimate host by sacrificing himself for us. It's just like blows my mind. So those are some contexts that I saw in um, Matthew five. And then it took me to a teaching that Brad talked about um, when we were in Israel sitting under that Bedouin tent and it's this beautiful picture of Isaiah it's in Isaiah 44 24 so let me read it to you really quick thus says the Lord your redeemer who formed you from the womb I am the Lord who made all things who alone stretched out the heavens who spread out the earth by myself and so it's interesting the wording for that whenever in Isaiah it says who alone stretched out the heavens and spread out the earth by myself. And so when you look into that word, stretched and spread, it's actually connected to the verb in Hebrew that has to do with how they made their tents. They stretched that goat hair and the goat skin. They stretched it over to create the tent. And so Brad said when he first read that, he automatically thought about, uh, he stayed with Bedouin for I don't know how long, maybe maybe a couple weeks, I want to say. And he would lay down in the daytime, in the heat of the day, he would go into the tent where he was, you know, open arms, he was a guest, and he would lay on the ground and look straight up. And he said that through the tent 
top through that goat hair and the goat skin it looked like a night sky with the stars shining down so i think he said right when he read this i alone stretched out the heavens who spread out the earth by myself he's like i literally saw the night sky when i laid there and it's just this beautiful picture that we are hosts of god and it's this beautiful picture that when we can look at the night sky we can remember that that we're in his tent we're in the world that he created and he's our ultimate host that loves us sacrificed his son for us would do it's just and in that overflow of knowing who god is and who he is as the ultimate host we also are called to also be ultimate hosts yeah and it's just like this beautiful picture whenever i read that i was like oh my gosh like it's the overflow, like what we talked about last week. It's in the overflow that we love and that we host. It, it's always overflow. It can't be forced. Mm-hmm. I don't think Abraham was forcing running back and forth. I think it was his overflow of this is what I do. I serve. I. It's just, I don't know. It's such a beautiful picture. And I just love this episode yeah, so much because of that. It's it's amazing. It's amazing to me because I think that if you were to ask every every man, you know, in America, uh, if are you are you willing to fight for what's yours, you know, and, and I think that everybody that you know would watch this would say, oh, I'm willing. You know, I'd fight for my family. I would do this. I would do that. You know, and and it's so it's so like quick to violence, you know. Yeah. But in the Bedouin culture that like, let's not forget that Abraham is the one that God made a covenant with. God saw Abraham who, who was in the Bedouin lifestyle and counted him a righteous man. And, um, you know, but in this, it's literally saying, you know, not only are you willing to go to battle for what's yours, but you're willing to host for what God's giving Mm you. And, that just blows my mind because I just don't think I just don't think that we in America see those same opportunities to you know kill the calf and you know make bread and do all this stuff for complete strangers Mm -hmm. and we don't consider it like honorable to be in that position and I just I just love this this culture so much because I mean, and it would definitely stretch you out of your comfort zone to open, you know, your home to, Mm -hmm. to, you know, strangers and and stuff like that. But still, it's just like, man, not only, I just love that phrase that we said earlier about, you know, not only like hosting people, but host hospitality is equal to bravery in battle. Mm -hmm. And I I was like, man, and, and I love, I, I feel like Jesus put it in context because, of course, like, we're not saying wait by your front door until a stranger walks by and be like, please live here with me for three days, please. I'll give Run you meat and I'll them. give you bread and I'll, yeah, yeah like, <laughs> I that's not necessarily the message that we're saying right now. I think that Jesus just put it so perfectly. Even if your neighbor does this to you, love them. Yeah. If they ask you to do a little thing, do something bigger. That's something <gasps> that's something that is connected too with the Bedouin. Like, okay, something Brad said that they always do is they underpromise and always overdeliver. Overdeliver to people yeah. when they ask you to do something, don't do the bare minimum. Go over and above because of the overflow. Don't force it. Don't be a goat. Yeah. But overflow. I just and then there's something that I wrote here after 
that connection with Matthew 5, and I just want to read it. The Lord calls us to be a host like the Bedouin out of an overflow, not an expectation. So the Bedouins, they expected hospitality when they went places, other Bedouin tribes. They expected it because they gave it. So that's the, it, that's an eye for an eye kind of mindset, right? And so yeah. let's just host and love through overflow, not expectation, because that's what the ultimate host does. And I want to be like the ultimate host. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just a continuation over what we were talking about in the Good Shepherd, you know, um, just when when you've done this for the least of these, like I, mm-hmm. I can imagine you sitting there in your community and you see somebody walking up out of the desert. They they're dirty. They yeah. look like they don't have anything, and like maybe maybe that's what the picture looks like when it says when you've done this for the least of these, when you've done that for the most desperate, when you count it joy, not just when you do things for people, mm-hmm. but when you count it joy, when you when you count it like favorable to host somebody that's down on their luck or when you or you know somebody that just randomly walks up to you that's like man it's crazy love on the people that can do nothing for you Mm. love them like they'll never pay you back an eye for an eye (laughs) yeah jeez yeah well i hope that i hope that you guys are all as convicted through this teaching as as and if you're not you should probably pray because i'm really it's it's just like it's a, it's a complete change and I, everything just kind of for me goes back to like the bible says that there's a way that seems right to a man if you ask any average american like a midwest american or east coast west coast there's a way that seems right to them yeah but it ends up in destruction because like God's way is never the way that we think it's going to be mm-hmm. and he calls us to get out of that comfort zone and to just do things that we aren't naturally wired to do exactly Um, and that's what's so beautiful about this culture so now all of you can walk away knowing that when you're reading these stories about abraham or lot or even um some scholars believe that david came from a bedouin family as well um now you know the context of of what this looks like what, why does this matter? Why, why did Abraham rush to do these things? Why, mm-hmm. why did Lot continue to beg these men to come stay he with him? He didn't hate his daughters. No. Right. <laughs> he just right. followed the rules of right. the Bedouin. <laughs> Jeez. But thank you guys. This, this has been kind of a longer episode, but thank you guys for yeah. rocking with us. Um, I, I hope that this helps you study the Bible better, learn the Bible better through different cultures and um, part of what we try to do is when we're reading scripture is we take off the lens of how we view things as Americans. And we, we look back at how the Bible was meaning for us to understand this. So when you do that, now you understand there's, there's a lot more dots that are being connected and God is the ultimate host that has invited us into his tent, has made room for us. And so our natural response is to not only be good guests in the house of the Lord, be good, you know, be good stewards of that, but also so that we can be like him and we can turn around and become the host that he's created us to be. Mm. And that's it. (sighs) That was good. That was good. Thank you, Lord, for all of your connections and how good you are. Yeah. But anyway, thank you guys for joining us this week. Um, We'll see you next week right here. Same time, same place. We'll see you later. See you later.
Bye. Bye.